Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Their last name comes from the Dutch, meaning someone who lived by a large or conspicuous tree. And though I could not confirm they were all part of the same family, those who have this surname include Ryan, a New York-based performer who has appeared in Hail Caesar and Fosse Verdon on screen. Danny, a quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers. And Esther, the chief financial officer of Tyra Biosciences. Their last name, of course, is Vanden Boom, and they're always welcome right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. All aboard the Dada train, vroom vroom, welcome to the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm, I'm doomed. I'm Pete. Ooh, that was, a, that was an excited early Pete. It sounds like he wants to talk about this episode, which is season three, episode six. 1917 Patrol. Now, a brief bit of recap if you haven't checked it out in a while. Rita has traveled back in time to 1917 per the title. She uh, oh. loses. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I just got it. Ah, there, there you go. There's usually a clever hit. In the, uh, I don't know if you noticed I this. There's a wondering. clever hit in the title of the episodes. Like, they do a word and then they do patrol. Mm-hmm. Like, it gives you a hit. Oh, 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 I don't know if you've oh, mentioned that oh. before, Pete. Nope. Because the show's named Doom Patrol. What? I thought it was Doom Petrol, like the oh, gas prices. Okay. Gas prices okay. are crazy. Sure, yeah. Gas crazy prices right are now. crazy. They're yeah, really they're high. Harumph. Harumph. Yeah. They're high. That's what everyone. <laughs> that seems like what everyone's mad about. Did you just say harumph? <laughs> yeah. I love that every once in a while you transform into a cartoon. So Rita has traveled back in time. She loses her memory. She has been trying Which to. Is... It's glad we're finally seeing this. This is a real thing about time travel. People don't know about it, but if you do travel back in time, memory gone, wiped. I mean, it makes sense. That means that yeah. time travel could be real. It's just people forget. Exactly. Oh, that's that the only way we're getting really away with point. it. I I yes. like that idea. Maybe that will come up at some point, but uh, that is a smart, subtle thing. If not, so thank you for. We're learning so much here at the top of the podcast. Look at this. See, Alex, you don't. You haven't seen this episode, so you're not fully like entrenched in your thoughts. Pete's yeah. dropping knowledge on you in a way that we just don't see. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is great. I feel like Justin's we've all got all his teeth. A what a time to be alive! All my teeth back. I grow them back like a lizard. 
So Rita has traveled back in time to 1917. She loses her memory. She is looking for Laura DeMille, played by Michelle Gomez, as well as the sisterhood of Dada. She discovers them in the Bureau of Normalcy as she starts to work there. Turns out they're a social club for metas who are hanging out, who are prejudiced against by the Bureau of Normalcy, the people who work in the ant farm. Meanwhile, in the present, a lot of stuff going on with our characters. Cliff is, it turns out by the end of the episode, trying to win a keychain by spending all of his money online. Meanwhile, Jane is encouraging Kay to grow up and buy a pair of shoes. Instead, she steals a bike. But it leads to a big showdown in the underground, or at least the beginnings of one. And Cyborg is grappling with the revelation from the last episode that he doesn't really know who he is and what he is and starts to pursue getting some synthetic skin and last but certainly not least larry confronts his son paul yes uh and uh so lots of stuff going on first but of all though yes Pete. let's but... take it back to the beginning and toot, talk... toot, let's back up the truck merch yeah, available uh, at comicbookclub.com Let's talk about that lovely lady in Iowa that was hysterical. She's like, uh, hey, you, if you want some trouble, you got it. But if I you're just I... passing through, like, welcome. The second, her name is Betty Ann Bucklestone, and I made sure to write that down because the second <laughs> I saw her, I was like, Pete loves this. Pete's going to love this shit. <laughs> that was hysterical. I mean, that was just hysterical. You like people in the country who don't take guff from That's right. <laughs> That's right. What a fun... I mean, I want to take it back a little bit before that, though, because I there's narration at the beginning talking Mm. about Rita traveling back in time. She sees moments from her past outside the ship. There's this beautiful moment where she's crying and the tears float off of her face and disappear, which I thought was gorgeous. But I was a little worried that it was going to be like this. Those tears. Uh, then she drowned uh, in a horrible accident because <laughs> the moisture destroyed all of this stuff inside of the ship, and uh, she. Well, died. first of yeah. all, that's why uh, you never cry. Never the cry. The reason I wanted to bring this up is I watched it with the closed captionings on, and you wouldn't know this because they don't mention it in the show. But the one who is narrating it is Shipley. So yep. I assume the ship itself is narrating what's going on oh. there, and I wonder if that's going to come back later. It also struck me a little bit like Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou a little bit. Yeah. Sort of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it definitely you, was the tone of the narration. Yeah. Or if you prefer SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, oh, for people who prefer SpongeBob <laughs> over uh, Steve Zissou. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. I would Wes love to Anderson. see the Life Aquatic with SpongeBob SquarePants, personally. I don't. I think you spend a little too much time watching cartoons, maybe. Willem Dafoe oh, should okay, pop up. Okay, that's rich um, coming from you. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I don't... For rub, for I didn't rub. like it coming out of my mouth, but it was already <laughs> halfway there. It was already <laughs> out. Uh, you vomited it. Uh, real quick, <laughs> outside of the uh, the time machine, did we see... We saw some, like, dogs and stuff. Was right, the right. girl who fell into the crack that Rita was mad at the girl who sort of passed to the frame right at the Ooh, end. Oh, I don't know. It was a weird. Yes, was a, I think so. That, that's yeah. who I thought it was, and I thought that was a cool little moment because she seemed. Well, pissed. she also shows up in a news article, I believe, later on in the episode where she's missing. She sort of feels like this season's animal, vegetable, mineral man. So I wonder mm-hmm. if she's going to come back at some point again and we'll see what happens to her and while you're talking about beautiful moments the beautiful tears beautiful narration when rita does arrive she can't remember her name but 
has to pee. And I think we've all been there. This, that's the same thing that happened with Laura DeMille when she got out there. So my thought is yeah. either time travel makes you pee or it's just such a long trip. It's a long trip. Guys. And you get I mean, you've been in a long, long car street. ride. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, all I can think of is uh, like 80s, the 80s songs I've been playing on loop on this drive. And I'm nearly going to pee my pants. I've never yeah. been on a long drive. I need to stop to pee every 20 minutes. It's because you're uh, pregnant, like Larry. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm prego. This, yeah, she does need to pee. She gets there. I also love, while we're guy. sticking to the beginning of the episode, we got to see the Brain and Monsieur Mala again, who are watching oh, yeah. them, have a very fun exchange where they're like, ah, I think I could rejigger this time travel machine by just looking at it. So clearly they're going to come back again. Uh, but we're getting a lot of stuff piled on here in this season. Also, yes. uh, amazing art. You know, the brain's like, you know, draw this time machine. And yeah. impressive. I mean... That gorilla is a, has a future career as a comic book penciler. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I... This is a very side to this, but I sort of love, think it's very weird, A the amount of gorillas that are in DC comics history, but B the amount of CGI gorillas that they put on screen in DC shows. Like they have gorilla grod, right. they have miss Miramala here. There's definitely a third one that I'm not remembering. Um, has Detective Chimp showed up in live, live action? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. But it's they always look like a little janky. They don't exactly move right. They're too big for it, but it's fine. There's okay. something where people think that's very funny. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's never been for me. I'm like talking gorilla. I'm like not necessary for my uh, personal <laughs> flavor. It's not my flavor. It's not my tempo. The thing that but, I like about them, but I've mentioned this before, though, is I love the relationship between the brain and Monsieur Mala. That I do think is fun and funny because they are in love, and he's so huge, and the brain is so tidy, and Monsieur Mala is so wry and sarcastic, and the brain is so serious and straightforward. It's just a fun relationship to play with. It reminds me of a bebop Krang relationship. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I thought this was interesting too because it makes me think that we're creating a um, a problem for the time stream where I think they're going to design the, the the time machine that Rita's in. So um, that's a problem mm. because uh, it's reverse engineering um, how time works. And then um, I think that we're setting up why they try to kill Rita earlier on in this season and end up uh, killing him. The whole well, that was the one, uh, two things I wanted to talk about here. One of the things I was surprised about with this episode, which I don't think was bad, but I expected we were going to get, okay, this is the time travel every episode where it kind of ties everything up. But instead we stayed in a relatively short period of time. Um, so it seems like this is something that's going to play out over multiple episodes, tying into exactly what you're saying, Justin. And I think we're going to see some, stuff wrapping up there well we that's the beauty of you know the mind wipe is that takes away the uh time hopping you know what i mean once you don't know who you are or what's going on you know there's not this uh kind of need to jump back in the time machine you know what i mean yeah i, I get what you're saying and this is going far afield i do want to come back to one other thing about this in terms of the time travel but i also loved the idea that rita is finally able to embrace her powers and use her powers properly when she has all of this baggage completely wiped away. It was such a yeah. smart 
beautifully executed mental therapy type thing in a in a very classic Doom Patrol way that I thought was really well, cool. Well, I don't know. It's I agree with you. It is great that she's been able to sort of be her true self without her insecurities holding her back. Yeah, but I think I, you're Alex, advocating I, I for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You You're advocating for lobotomy. I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah, no, no, no. You I mean, this is guy. this is another hey, show. Listen, I don't know. I could solve all your problems. All have right? you you guys have been watching the show Severance on Apple TV Plus, where they do an oh, operation and they oh, sever boy. your work and your life cells? I actually do the same thing for podcasts. <laughs> you know that makes a lot of sense because whenever I see you on the street, you're like, "Get away from me, strange man!" And I thought that was a bit, but I guess yeah. you just actually. No, no, that's my Audi. Me. This is my Innie taping wow. this podcast. Everybody should it's watch gross. Severance, by the way. It's so good. It's, it's Severance is great. I, it's I stressful. Flip. It's a little stressful. It's very stressful. I don't like, like it. all good shows. I flipped. I, I, this is my time. Audi. This is my home. My Innie is the rest of my life. I don't like oh, the oh, Audi Innie talk. I don't appreciate it. The thing I wanted to loop back to, though, Justin, you've had this big theory this whole season about Rita and Laura being the same thing. Mm. Are you still on it after this episode, or it's done, right? Well, it doesn't seem like they're the same uh, person, but I do think, um, I don't know, it's strange to me that Laura's powers are th the same, sort of, of Rita, just more developed. So I think there's more to learn here. I don't think, uh, my theory's not fully discounted yet. It would be, it's more of a long shot, though, um, I think. Um, I love, well, before we get into all that specific, I you said this episode, you didn't, you thought more was going to happen, sort of? And I just, agree with you. Just, yeah, just in terms of I I expected because they are usually so direct in terms of the episodes that this was like Rita arrives in 1917 and it just kind of goes forward through the decades through there. But instead, we stuck in like yeah, Don't try to write ahead of the show, bro. OK, I'll don't do try to. You know, you I'm just clean enjoy... with this episode. I'm watching clean, baby. All right, so all right. I'm just oh, saying you're, saying you're, you're like, oh, I think this is what's going to happen. You can't. You're on the edge of a precipice. <laughs> you're just not used to it. We've taped 30 something episodes of this pod, maybe 20 something episodes of this podcast so far. And I've been real confident. Now, my confidence has been shaken by not knowing what's happening next. You're, you're just... doing a reverse Rita. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Just wipe your mind. They'll fix all your problems. Who said? Uh, uh, what I was going to say, though, is while not a lot happens, sort of like you're saying, plot wise, there's so much character movement here. In yeah, this exactly. I'm not behind this. Uh, not a lot. I'm happens. not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just <laughs> no. just because I say things doesn't mean they're necessarily I don't like this thing or I like this thing, Pete. Just well, because I, it's a podcast, Pete, just because we say things doesn't mean it means anything or anyone has to listen to it. <laughs> you know? I'll just explain whether I'm doing an idiot opinion or an Audi opinion, and that oh, should sort of please clarify stop. It. Please stop that. Um, but to talk about sort of Rita's story, like, she does, she goes in and says that she's uh, Laura DeMille, right? And yeah. she just has that piece of paper. And that immediately, like, keys her in to these people um, who are sort of a Doom Patrol who have their shit together. They're like an earlier form of the Doom Patrol that just like, they're outsiders, they, uh, they're sort of just trying to get by. And then Rita has this moment where she's like, forget all this uh, outsider shit. We, we should be treated with the same respect these other normal C people treat each other. And that solidifies them together and I think makes them into this like, force oh, the sisterhood of it's interesting that you say these people have their shit together more than the doom patrol because it's like i mean they have day jobs and you know they're doing See? things 
uh, but I mean, we kind of see them just kind of losing their minds a little bit, like having fun at a party. And I like how you look at that and just be like, oh, these, these people have it together. I mean, they, they know what's up. I mean, they were like a bad improv troupe released into a lunchroom. It was kind of uh, crazy. Uh, yes, it did have, I had a huge, I think I wrote that down. This is definitely like, um, improv, <laughs> just improv. It's just what improv yeah, is. It's like watching an improv rehearsal. You're like, Oh, I don't like this. It's funny that all of us have performance backgrounds and also I think have the same reaction, which is like, this is terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where my specific reference point, you're absolutely right about the improv thing. My reference point is I always think back and I've mentioned this before on other podcasts, but I always think back to this moment in college when I, I think I was a freshman, maybe a sophomore. Uh, it was, I was at a after party at somebody's house after we had just done a show and everybody spontaneously started singing Castles in the Sky from Pippin. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. And then years later, I was like, oh my God, they always do that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had flashbacks. I had like bad flashbacks from that moment. Oh, that's what but while we as hardened um, improv scene comedians um, can be like, this is stupid. Let me also take the positive side of it. And their ability to be sort of free amongst each other is what allowed them later to um, be free in front of these people and have it be meaningful to them. And then uh, totally clown them. I mean, just straight was, up clown those just folks. Just straight up clown them. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, there it was beautiful and it was very kind of cool that they can have a place where they feel like themselves and feel free and not kind of feel like the outcast for sure. Um, it's just when you start like doing uh song poems and stuff like that, I've been to too many like acting rehearsals and too many like played too many improv this is games. triggering for you. Yeah, and it was also triggering for Alex because a bunch of people got clowned up, which happens to you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You're married to a clown. I am married to a clown, so I was like, I gotta marry those people now on screen. I always got, I already got one marriage. The that all said, though, I do think setting up the sisterhood of Dada this way, and particularly there's one very telling conversation that Laura and Rita have where Laura very offhandedly throws out, oh, they really think art can change the world, that I think points to eventually what they're going to be doing in the present day. But overall, the way that they are affecting Doom Patrol as quote-unquote villains certainly makes me think that what they're doing is not actually bad. Like, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they do take it too far in terms of whatever their plan is, whatever the eternal flagellation is, or if they are doing something that ultimately would be potentially good for the world. And then as usual, the doom patrol will have to stop them and shut down this thing that actually would be very positive and puts them in a worse place. Well, it strikes mm-hmm. me to your point as something where like, something that started out with the best of intentions but then it gets a little bit too like a cult uh, gets mm-hmm. a little bit too like caught up in itself mm-hmm. and eventually you have um frenzy being extremely judgmental towards cyborg which um may end up getting him in a better place but is just like so condescending what we saw last episode and really messes him up it feels like that's what um that's what maybe the the point of this is we'll also get on the maybe the thing that sends them off uh, heading in a direction where they're going to take it too far, we don't know what's going to happen with Malcolm. We meet this character, Malcolm, who Rita strikes up a very strong flirtation with this episode. Yeah. He has Immediately this falls also in love. incredible metaphor of 
he literally lost his heart and just has a bird in a cage replaced in his chest. He didn't Alt- lose his heart. He, he gave said away he his heart. traded he his it. heart for a canary, dude. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Now, what what would you make? What would? Why would you make that deal? What's good about that deal? Free canary, canary, bro. So what's your if you were in this a similar situation? I think maybe his was heart like was broken, up. and he was like, "I don't need this anymore." Like he's so distraught, he was like, "I don't need this." And somebody was like, "Actually, uh, my uncle could use a heart, so uh, if we could trade, I got a sweet canary uh, deal for you." So and, what's uh, your what's your deal? What would you trade your heart for? Pete, like what sort? I don't think. Steak? I don't think you could get. You're uh, already kind of trading your heart for a cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> slowly happening, it's yeah. Slow, it's over slow, time, it's transforming into a cheesesteak. It's mm. it's over time. <laughs> it's mostly whiz, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Would you like your heart wit whiz? <laughs> wit whiz, always wit whiz. You know, yeah. the uh, my doctor wait, wait. told me I have too much whiz in my heart. <laughs> my so, whiz wait. levels are too high. Wait, I, there's a lot to kind of talk about here. First off, Pete cut himself shaving and whiz came out. I don't uh, know I, what. The interesting thing about it, though, and, and not a lot of people know this, but it's not even like a blood test that they do. It's literally there's a line of cheese that slowly flows up your body and they, they check how high it is. If yeah. it's past your heart, you're dead. If it's <laughs> below your heart, you're good. Time. You're alive. You're fine. So anyways, I, I, I think that this is interesting that this whole like, Laura being a horrible person was she was just always hung over at work. She was just always like over it. So she was kind of like, you know, uh, it was funny to see uh, Laura kind of like she went through that costume change and uh, what a change in personality as well, where she's hanging yeah. out in flowy gowns. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, uh, token it up and having a great time. And then she's at work. She's just like, eh, uh, die, you know, like, Yeah, I will mention that in the midst of my horrible flashbacks with all of the art and musical theater stuff that was going on, Michelle Gomez and April Bowlby's dancing in that scene was so funny and so much fun. I just loved all of their movements, and they really seemed to be having a blast. So that was great. And also, if you watch the after the episode stuff... It's basically Michelle Gomez and April Bulba being like, I love her. I love her. I love this choice she made. I love this choice she made. So very into that. Cute. I think. Yeah, it's Aww, very adorbs. cute. Seeing uh, seeing them paired together is I can't watch the behind the scenes, so I'm still watching the show. Like I'm I'm looking forward to it when I'm done going back because it pulls me out of it too much and I can't mm-hmm. do that right now. Like I'm There's definitely it. stuff where I'm surprised there's a character name we haven't talked about yet on the show that they very easily mentioned to the after stuff that has not been mentioned in the show before. I know I'm dancing around it, but I don't want to talk about spoilers um, where, yeah, I think you've made the right choice. Pete. if you don't want to know stuff going ahead, don't watch the after matter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm uh, sort of actually, I'm actually in Pete's boat here. I haven't been watching the, the after show stuff for that reason. Cool. So I want to talk about uh, Cyborg a little bit. Well, just, just before we move off, I, I want to say I do think this is a metaphor for being like a creative. It's all about the day job, being an outsider. Uh, very fun. Rita, great mail sorter. The name Bendy, Keeper. No very way. Fun. Nah, not nah, creative Bendy enough. is great. She could be Bendy. It's better than what is she, Elastigirl? Which is Come on, Rita Farr is a nice, like it's a name that fits her. You know what I mean? It's a little bit extra, a little bit more. Bendy's too, no. Do you think she's called Rita Farr because she can reach so far? Yeah. 
near or oh. far. Ridley's got it. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> that was another thing. Really like the scene of her sorting Mal. That was very fun as well. I did want to get back and talk about Malcolm for a second, though, because I feel like he has to be the guy that they meet in the Tunnel of Souls, right? Who seems exactly. Horrible. He's the one who's kind of a little bit of a slap. Yeah. Don't let him see you sweat. He said it. Yeah, he said it in that did. episode. He said it in this yeah. episode. He's the it's guy. Big he aha loves her. Moment. I feel like whatever happened to Malcolm that killed him and sent him to the Tunnel of Souls, that might be the thing that is the turning point for the sisterhood of Dada, potentially. Yeah, he does feel like the um, uh, metaphorical beating heart of the sisterhood of Dada and him, whatever happens to his face and the deformation that he has in the afterlife, I feel like that's going to be a problem. Because, I mean, we're seeing at the, not to get to the end, but the end we have, the sisterhood of Dada bursting out of the fireplace in the present day at, at Doom Mansion with Piffle Paffle on the wall, little flame bird. Like, they yeah. are aggressive. Um, Phoenix Rise. Coming for Laura. Yeah, I feel like, and this is again getting into speculation, but I feel like Laura probably let them down in some way. Maybe not straight up betrayed them, but they were held prisoner by the Bureau of Normalcy for decades. So potentially whatever happened to Laura left them there, and that might yeah. be what they blame her for. Well, yeah, and it's... we'll see if Rita and Laura are in fact the same person. It's still possible. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, I think it's it, it's also tracking alongside the le- fallen leader situation that we have with the Doom Patrol. With Niles, be- we learned that Niles actually caused their accidents. Laura did something to betray them, and now they're coming for her. And uh, Rita kind of taking care of uh, Niles's packages. You know, it's interesting. She has a twinge. And again, we kind of get this body elephant thing um, that, uh, you know, uh, Laura keeps uh, bringing up. So it's this interesting of, like, if you don't have a memory, but it's kind of like your your kind of soul is trying to tell you things. It's a, That's an interesting kind of thing. Yeah. Um, She's sorting through the Niles piles, the piles of Niles. Mm-hmm. Which I wish she wouldn't. Like, like, let some of that slide. That guy's not going to need any of no, that. No, I like that moment as well. Just that sparking some sort of feeling in her. The idea that you can have feelings even if you don't have memories, I thought was very nice. Plus, there's, speaking, miles, there's miles of Niles piles that she has to compile. Speaking you know? of feelings. It feels like it's Cyborg. bringing up Pete's bile. Yep. Uh, Cyborg is, you know, climbing uh, uh, his mom's mountain and having all sorts of human feelings. Uh, it's nice to see him, you know, kind of like it's interesting that he's struggling with who he is and this robot self, but he's being superhuman. You know, he's kind of being nostalgic. He doesn't know what to do. He's staring at a couple rocks. You know, I mean, that's there's nothing more human than that. Well, he's someone who I think who is having some big revelations here and he's taking the advice he got from his mom and maybe going in a he's not accepting himself like I feel like is what we would expect the lesson to be. Instead, he's like, I'm going to make a change in myself. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's I don't get think in trouble here. I don't think he'll go through with it, but I think it's one of those things where, um, yeah, you know, questioning yourself, questioning who you are and what you're about, that's very human. And um, I was a little disappointed that he stole one of his mom's rocks at the top of the hill. Isn't that, didn't he pocket one of those rocks? I mean, she carried, it's a pocket carried rock. that. 
That's like taking a trip away from her. That's like saying, oh, you didn't go up the hill this time. I'm taking He kept something of his parents. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a contrary viewpoint. I want them to move on with whatever's going on with Cyborg because I feel like he is. How dare you? Listen, I know this is another one of those episodes where everybody kind of went off on their own separate missions and were doing their own things, but every season, Cyborg's like, well, see you later, Doom Patrol. I'm wrestling with what it means to be human. And it starts to feel to me at a certain point in episodes like this, like they don't exactly know what to do with Cyborg. Oh, how dare you. You know, I like the actor, I like the character, but it's much more interesting to be when he's working off of other people versus doing his own thing. I'm sorry that your yeah. life is so perfect that you never question things that you don't ever kind of sit there and go, what should I do next? I'm kind of stuck in a, in a tough place right now. I wish I had like family. Or I've already discovered that... my mommy rocks. So I'm yeah. Well, go. you're a fucking mommy overachieving rocks. asshole. All right. So Thanks, calm it down a little bit <laughs> and don't get mad at cyborg for having There's to fucking compliment. grapple with shit. All right. There's I a compliment in there, Alex. Pete complimented you. So just like fucking let him struggle a little bit. I'm sorry he doesn't have mentors. He tries to go to Cliff and Cliff's like, yo, I don't give a shit about you, which was cold as ice. Like they were were friends. The problem is that he's been doing the same thing for seasons. He's like, ah, what does my mom mean to me? What does my dad mean to me? And I know the whole point of the show is they're not quite getting past their issues, but I feel like they found different modes and different ways of hitting that with all of the other characters. I thought Jane was a great example this episode episode where last episode when we were talking about on the podcast i know my concern was okay once again she is at odds with the underground and granted that's where we end up at the end here but the idea that k for the first time ever goes above ground you have jane encouraging her she steals a bike mind you so it's still complicated victimless crime but i really liked where jane ends up where they're talking about was Jane doing this because it is selfless? And like she says, there's some phrase, I wrote it down, but I'm not fighting immediately about like selflessness is maybe the only uh, coin that we have in here or, oh, it's the only commodity. Is there anything that's a selfless act? And Jane thinks kindness is the only, the only commodity that they have. I like that versus is Jane actually being selfish? And is she trying to feed her own ego in this? I think it's an open debate, but where Jane is in this episode pushes that forward in a dramatic way. I think it's true for the rest of the characters. Cyborg seems stuck in this stasis in the same mode. And once he does whatever he's doing with human skin, I think that's going to push him forward in a big way. But this yeah. episode, I was like, come on, let's get to it. Let's get oh, Okay. It. All right. First off, so you're okay with Jane struggling and being in the same place for a long time, but not Cyborg? Is that what you're no, saying? that's literally well, the I, opposite of what I, I think. Okay, Alex's well, because... point, Alex, let me just say Alex's point before you get mad about it. I think... He's saying they are telling similar stories, but the cyborg one hasn't been reframed enough to be new and interesting. I think it's going to get there next episode, would be my prediction. I was very moved by the hill and rock moments. I'm sorry it didn't hit for you as well, but it's, you know, sometimes you are stuck in life and it's not creative. Yeah, I think it's okay that you guys disagree. What are you talking about in particular, (laughs) Pete? I'm just saying. I think your Audi and your Innie need to have a conversation is what's going on here. We should go on a hike together, the three of us. (laughs) We'll go bring rocks. We'll each make a little pile. I'm sorry it's not creative enough for you of a fucking shot or whatever selection, but it's it's great to see the mighty cyborg struggle with you know, who he is and what's going on. Because from the outside world, everybody thinks he's got it made. He's cyborg. 
So uh, I, it's kind of interesting. I've just been hearing that for three seasons at this point. Everybody's like, wow, the mighty cyborg. Are you related to Cyborg Pete? You're yeah, taking this your very deal? personally. I'm just I I think they're making a strong choice. And to see you disparage it is a little upsetting. I just think it's the worst garbage I've ever seen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's it. Let's talk talking about Jane. Um, I do like this. Jane feels like a mom watching her kid Kay really like come into herself, and I think that's great. I think Jane's right here and the rest of the underground is going to cause a bunch of problems for her for the rest of this season, despite the fact that she's doing the right thing. And Pete, I don't know if you want to respond to this, but I think the problem comes from going to therapy, which is always the wrong thing to do. Pete, do you want to weigh in on that? Okay, but I want to back up the truck for a second because Justin was talking about like Jane being a good mom and as the only one here who doesn't have kids, I'm going to weigh in on being a parent here, which feels uh, something that I can do. Bring I it. think that... Um, Cat Daddy has uh, entered the when, conversation. <laughs> when the uh, K steals that bike and Jane talks about seeing the wind in her hair and the smile in her face, yes, that is awesome, but Kay just took that joy from another kid whose bike that is, you know, like uh, uh, stealing and also, you know, could get her in a lot of trouble. Of course, she doesn't have to worry about trouble because she can just go back to the underground now that she's got her bike. But now Jane has to go up and deal with the ramifications of that. And I just feel like, yeah, it's a nice moment, but it'd be cool if, uh, you know, Kay maybe did that without having to kind of like steal that bike away from somebody. Pete, that you know, was a serial killer's bike that she took away from them before they could ride. You don't know that. Victim. You don't know that because no, the joy the, of those the, shoes. The bloody could've... cyclist was on the prowl. Well, but think about K it this stopped. way: you're def you're defending this, Pete, but she's going to be riding that bike in the underground with no shoes on, which yeah. she could get a real bad scrape, like just on the bottom or some calluses or something like that. And well, yeah, I grew up the in the country, grow. so riding yeah. without your shoes on is yeah, a yeah, distinct that's... pleasure. Yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I always wore a bike in full body armor. <laughs> you're a city boy. Yeah, you're a city yeah, kid. City, yeah. Scared of scrapes. Sir Alex of <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> I thought this plot line was really good. I thought Dan Guerrero, again, was really good at this plot line. Why don't we talk about Larry, though, and his big showdown with his son, oh, Paul, wow, yeah. which does not go, I think, how anybody really expected, because Paul really lays into him, and then Larry hits back twice as hard. I twice as hard. Larry, LT the stands up for himself. Finally, what a great great speech he finally cuts through paul's hatred and has enough confidence in who he is as a person and the hand that he's been dealt larry had the biggest win i think of maybe the series from one of the doom patrol characters finally like being confident in themselves here all right well okay let's take that down a notch a little bit because i feel like he did a great job standing up for himself but then he tells his son to leave when like that's not what you want you guys clearly want to connect with each other a little bit don't tell your son to leave yeah yell at him for like hey dude it's not all as simple as you're making it um and of course he has the right to yell at his father for never being there i mean he's in the right there so like hey you blow off some steam i blow off the steam but instead of telling him to leave like maybe hey let's talk about this some more and they're going to i think i don't think they're done you're absolutely right there's more to say but i think in terms of being definitive at the end there and essentially being like being the father and saying go to your room and think about this for a little bit is basically what he did i yes. thought that was a really smart strong decision which I it was great it. it was great to see him stand up for himself i just felt like the leave was a little a little harsh but 
yeah, like you said, that was a huge win. Have an LT stand up for himself and kind of talk about like, you know, all the shit that he's been through. As our parenting expert, do you feel like when you're parenting your cat, you ever accidentally like are too harsh when you're like, go to your litter box? I'm constantly too harsh. No, no, se- no, 7 p.m., 6 p.m. treat for you today. It's something I know you say often. You know, I. Uh... It's such a joy when uh, your partner shares things uh, on a podcast that is <laughs> private and personal. You know, it's just really well, that's you. I'm sorry, thing. you met her in this world, and that's where she will stay. Yeah, oh, that's, hey, the li- listen, that's the life cat. of a cat daddy. Got to go yeah. gather those mommy rocks. Cat, cat daddies and mommy rocks. Hey, you little cat, cover up your butthole. <laughs> what? That's yeah, something when, you're, when the cat's going out to a dance or whatever. Like, don't forget yeah, to, to a cover your butthole. Yeah. <laughs> do a cat dance. The cat okay, prop. Leave, leave space for cat Jesus, cats. Oh, my God. That's what we always say. Let's talk about Cliff speaking about seeing God, because he sees God in uh, the, the, son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as in Chipmunk Jump, Stan is online poker dealer, and Ginger is cam girl. Those are the three people he worships in this episode. This was so ludicrous and so much fun to watch over the course of the episode. I loved cutting back to the cliffs off each time. It was really, it was funny. I was like, is this progress for Cliff? And then it's absolutely not. It, it was just like, it was another great monologue. This guy loves the internet. He's too has too many screens open mm-hmm. um, and he's lost his mind. But it was very funny that his like father, son, and Holy Ghost are these three dumb internet things, and he like really finds God, like you're saying, Alex, and then gives it up, gives up his actual body, sacrifices his body, like a little fellow I know as Cat Jesus Christ, <laughs> for the sake of being able to um, serve his Lord, the video poker guy. It was uh, it. There were some great lines. But the problem is um, it was hard to see Cliff uh, lash out um, on, uh, uh, you know, um, Vic Stone there. So I was, uh, uh, yeah, Cyborg. So you've become a cyborg has become your guy. Well, I just feel that like they they were making like old school cop shows, you know, uh, that was fun. The two of them getting along like that's peak both of them. And I, you know, I want to get that back to there instead of him lashing out uh, like that and uh, not being a good uh, friend or team uh, member. So uh, it's hard to see Cliff like this because well, we've had glimmers of uh, him being great. And so it's tough to well, see him I, fall. I think Justin's right, though, that somebody, everybody is off on their own things. So they're not concentrating on Cliff thing. And that's going to come to bite them in the ass probably in an episode or two whenever somebody uses the plans for cliff body to do what was the guy's name it was like dingleberry 29 fuzzy fuzzy some fuzzy fuzzy genitals yeah something like that uh that's going to come to bite them in the ass pretty soon i'm sure but jane and cliff had decided to work together and take care of each other but jane is off doing her own thing and cliff is spiraling out of control cyborg is so consumed with who he is that he can't be the buddy cop to Cliff. And so Cliff is heading in exactly the wrong direction here. That all said, like I mentioned earlier, the punchline at the end of the storyline that is like, and I'm going to win you that keychain was perfect. Like that was the cherry on the top there of this whole ridiculous spending all of his money thing. Really like that quite a lot. What other moments from the episode? Oh, fuzzy rim job. That's who it is. 
There you go. Yes. Oh, my God, of course. What other mo- moments from the episode do we want to call out? I know we've talked about a lot of stuff here. Uh, two things. Um, LT is giving birth. This is his third trimester in an yep. episode-by-episode trimester situation. I think we're going to have a new negative spirit, a little baby negative spirit, in the next, a little sprite in the next episode, which is um, hopefully fun and exciting. Also, but, speaking so, about birth, I just wanted to very quickly mention the LT line. Your foot was as big as an orange slice, and I knew you'd be tall. Yeah. Very specific. Poetic. This episode was very poetic in a lot of ways, and I I liked that. The only other thing I wanted to say is that the music really played a larger role in this episode. Like, feels like their cues were sort of turned up a little bit. That uh, sort of electro soundtrack that they've had for the run of the series really hits a little harder in this episode. I guess maybe to enhance the individual emotions and storylines that we were focused on rather than the more team stuff of other episodes. And they invent Lady Gaga, so that's pretty impressive, too. Oh, yeah, that was a fun moment. Yeah. All right, why don't we wrap up here? Who was most doomed this episode? Pete, you want to take this one first? Who was most doomed this episode? Well, this is this is tough. I, I feel like um, I'm really uh, I'm worried about uh, uh, Cliff and Vic you know, and uh, I feel like the pair of them are most doomed, and uh, I'm, I'm worried about their friendship. Mm. Justin, what wow. about you? Who's most doomed this episode? That cop opening credit sequence from last season really left a mark on you, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Cliff. He's he's blown at hardcore. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's having revelations in the wrong direction when it feels like most everyone else, even though I think Cyborg's making a mistake with it, chasing up this skin i think he's at least getting closer to uh confronting his his sort of issues of identity um rita coming into her own jane making the right choices for k though there will be consequences uh lt highest highest value of lt of the season um so in my fantasy doom patrol league um lt's crushing it right now Sports. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Laura is most doomed. She clearly is the center of a lot of things going on here, and whatever's going on in the sisterhood of Dada, both in the past also, and the present. She's standing in front of a fire. She's got to get out of there. I mean, those curtains are gonna go up. One hundred percent agree. If you'd like to support this podcast and our curtain reclamation fund, Patreon.com/slash Comic Book Club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at seven PM to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, before we go, a piece of advice from Pete LePage. If someone trades their heart for a canary, that's a red flag in the relationship. (laughs) Wow, you're down on it. Oh, cat daddy. 